Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, I read a story the other day about forgiveness that goes something like this. A little boy was visiting his grandparents, right? When he was given his very first slingshot. Y'all remember your first slingshot? Well, this little boy got in, so he would go out to the woods and he would practice and he would practice and he would practice and he could never hit the target. He'd sit there and he'd miss it and he'd sit there and he'd miss it. But then one morning, one morning, the little boy was practicing in grandma's backyard, right? And as he's walking, he spies out grandma's favorite pet duck. There's a little duck just walking around. Then, right, as the boy's impulse had overtaken Johnny, Johnny took aim and he just let the rock fly. To his surprise, a direct hit, right? The duck fell dead. Then, guess what happened? The boy panicked. Desperately, he was like, ah, I don't know what to do. He hid the duck in the wood pile, only to look up and see his sister Sally watching the whole thing. But she said nothing. That, after that day, you know what? Grandma said, Sally, or later that day, excuse me, after lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, to, but Sally said Johnny told me he wanted to help do the dishes today. Didn't you, Johnny? Then she whispered and she said, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes Later that day, Grandpa said he wanted to take the kids fishing, and they were so excited. We're going to go fishing with Grandpa. Are you serious? Then Grandma spoke up, said, no, no, no. I'm sorry, dear, but Sally needs to help me make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Then she looked at Johnny and whispered, remember the duck. Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. Well, after several days of doing this, both his chores and Sally's, Johnny finally broke. He couldn't stand it anymore. He went straight to Grandma and confessed, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shot your duck, I killed your duck. I, I didn't think I could hit him, I did it, I did it, I'm sorry. And, and I hit him in the wood pile. Grandma looked and smiled and she said, I know all about it. And she gave him a big hug. I was standing at the window and I saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you. I only wondered, Johnny, how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. You see, this morning, guys, we're going to talk about the topic of forgiveness. And it was C.S. Lewis who wrote, quote, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you, unquote. Now, we like to quote words like that and say, yeah, forgiveness, amen. I'd like to be, but, but, but if we can be honest, forgiveness is one of the hardest things that we ever, 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 ever have to do. Forgiveness. See, our lesson today is on forgiveness. But let's chat for just a moment, right? Because there are two elements to forgiveness, two basic elements. You go, what are they? Well, number one, we know that we are forgiven by God, right? All we have to do is ask. God, we come to you. That was the purpose of the cross so that we could obtain forgiveness. Everybody goes, amen. But the second element of, of forgiveness, guys, is that we need to forgive others. Just as Christ has forgiven us. Now, if we can be honest in church, 
That's a lot harder than just going to the Lord and asking forgiveness. Now, here's what happens in our lives, guys. We do something. There's a terrible offense towards God. We ask for forgiveness. God, forgive us. And upon our belief, we believe he's either forgiven us or he hasn't forgiven us. But for the most part, we want to walk in that forgiveness based on his word. Can I get a good amen? amen. But, but the problem is, is that we come to this side and we go, okay, I know I'm forgiven, but you've offended me, so I'm going to have a hard time forgiving you. And now, and you'll have people say, okay, now forgiveness, remember what forgiveness is, right? Right? We all forgive, but we won't. And everybody goes, no, see, that's wrong. That's wrong. We need to forgive and forget. But I am here and I beg to differ a little bit. You see, I understand, guys, that forgiving others isn't always easy. And it's really hard for us to go, hey, you need to forgive and forget the offense and the hurt that's given to you. And you go, well, that's easy for you to say, you weren't, and then you could label the hurt in your life. Well, God forgives, and God forgets. And God is God. And we're not. You see, here's what I want to, I want to paint a picture here just a little bit this morning, and then I'm going to tie it into the woman who was caught in adultery. Okay, so I need you to take notes because it's going to help you as you grow in your walk in forgiveness from God and for others. The first thing we need to understand, guys, is forgiveness is a journey. It's just not something we do right now. Okay, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. It's a journey. We go, okay, I understand it's a journey. It's a path traveled imperfectly and often slowly. So the couple of things we need to understand when it comes to forgiveness, it's a journey and it's slow and it's slow going. You go, okay, I got it. I got it. But help me with forgiveness, pastor. Okay, let me give you five elements of forgiveness. Five elements of forgiveness that's going to help you, okay? Now, your attention, please, we understand here, we give God, we ask him to forgive us, he's forgiven us, that's that's a good part, okay, I can live with that. The problem that I have with this is that I often don't forgive myself, and so my past comes up, and, it, and, and we'll deal with that in just a moment, as Jesus forgives. But what I want to talk to you first and kind of give you a foundation is what happens when we have been forgiven and now we're called to forgive others, others who have hurt us. What are we supposed to do? Well, first of all, jot this down. Element number one, guys, I think it's important. Forgiveness isn't cheap. Forgiveness isn't cheap. Those who feel the weight of forgiven often have heavy things to forgive. For some are stuck on their journey, their decision. Now, listen, their decision to forgive feels like what they are essentially saying is that what was done to them doesn't matter. Or, listen, it's all better now. We need to understand that. We often think when we go, I forgive, I'm done. We often think like, well, don't you realize what that happened to me doesn't matter or it's all. Now, now it seems like, like when, we, when we realize that in certain types of forgiveness, we feel like, well, we feel like if I, if I forgive them, then it lets the person who hurt me get off freely. But let me say this to you. It matters immensely to God what happened to you. Here's what I would say to you. Don't be afraid to take time to unpack the issues that still hurt. When those are explored, then release them to God. 
Oftentimes when you do that, now here's the thing. Now what we need to understand is that you begin to explore those and you go, okay, these are the things that hurt me. Don't hold on to them or a root of bitterness can take place. Remember, as you explore them, it's okay, but then release them back to God. And as you do that, church, listen, oftentimes many of the other attached issues feel released as well. So, okay, number two, forgiveness is a process, is a process. Don't be discouraged if you seem to struggle off and on during your forgiveness journey. You see, it was Louis B. Smeads that says, quote, you will know that forgiveness has begun when you recall those who hurt you and you feel the power to wish them well, unquote. You see, it's, guys, it's a process. It's a process. We need to understand forgiveness is a process. And don't be upset, oh, I'm supposed to be a Christian, and it's just those things we've got to work through. Number three, guys, forgiveness gives you the eyes to see others who have hurt you as God sees them, as God sees them. Let me say this to you, guys. Unforgiveness gives a person more power over you than they actually have. If you can make them seem larger than life, the process of forgiveness gradually shrinks them down to their actual size. And you often begin to see that they too have been hurt by others. Now, jot this down. I think it's important as you understand your walk with Jesus. It doesn't make it easier, but it helps you to understand. Here's the note you can jot down. Hurting people often hurt people. Pastor, that doesn't make it better. I know. But at least it gives you a step in understanding that hurting people often hurt people. And we need to realize that we need that forgiveness gives us the eyes of Jesus to see those who have hurt us the way he sees them. How, what's the next one, Pastor? Or well, how about this one? Right? Forgiveness doesn't always mean the relationship is restored. Forgiveness doesn't always mean the relationship is restored. There are some hurts in this life that it's best you say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them up. It hurts. It really hurts, but I'm going to release them to you so I can be set free. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to have the person who hurt me over for dinner. It may not ever happen. It may be something that you go, you know what's best for me to stay away from that person, that situation, the whole deal. Now you go, Pastor, I get that, but sometimes it's family. I know, and sometimes we have to take a step back and we have to be so careful. Why? Because again, it doesn't mean that everything needs to be restored. It just, sometimes it just doesn't. And last but not least, guys, let me give you this. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. It doesn't mean you forget. Here's what it does mean. It means that you remember the things in light of God's healing power in your life. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Well, you, you know, Pastor, I've, I've been taught uh, that you're supposed to forgive and forget. Well, there are some things in our lives that are really hard just to forget. And when you really think about it in light of Scripture, you go, okay, now I, I have a hard time forgiving this situation. And every time that I'm called to teach forgiveness, church, I always come and I always have to look at my life. I was teaching at a friend's church a while back. I was teaching on forgiveness. I stood behind the pulpit and I said, if we are going to forgive, we must forget. 
And everybody was amen, because that's what we've been taught all our lives. But then I took a step back, I looked at, at the context, and I realized that that's not always the case. We realize that it does mean this, guys. It means that we need to remember the things, how in light of God's healing power in our lives. That's what forgiveness is. So I'm calling this message this morning, Forgiveness, a Stone's Throw Away. Why? Well, for today, guys, we meet a woman. What do we know about this woman? She's a sinner. She's caught in the very act of adultery. She's brought to Jesus for judgment. Jesus, realizing this is a setup, offers offers her the most amazing, amazing gift one could ever offer. You go, what is it? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. But he offers her forgiveness, not so she can go out and what? And do it again. Here's what I want you to see. He offers forgiveness so that she can see the gospel lived out by example. Example. You see, that's another thing that forgiveness does. It allows us to live the gospel message by example. We take the four elements, go, listen, it's a journey. I forgive you. I've released it to God. I'm not going to hold you. You're not going to hold me in this bondage because I can't see you. I want to live the gospel, and that's what Jesus shows us. So where have we been? Well, remember what we've talked about so far. The Feast of Tabernacles was going on. Jesus, on the last day, stands up in the middle, and he proclaims this. It says in verse 37, on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It was Pastor Josh who mentioned this the other day, and I liked it. He says, guys, our lives are supposed to be a fountain, not a what? Not a drain not a pool, not something that says stagnant. It's supposed to be going out. And that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, listen, listen, let's just take a good look at our lives. Is our lives a fountain? Are you walking around with water gushing out everywhere? You know, I mean, just, just that's, that's it. You're just a fountain, not just a pool. What happens in a pool? It sits there for so long. What happens? It's just, it's just no fun. It's no fun. And if you ever had a fish growing up, fish tank, what do you have to do? You have to have the bubbles. You have to have that moving around. Why? Because yeah, yeah, my my first goldfish, you know, bless his heart. Got a first goldfish, put him in the water, saw him there for a while. Before you know it, I couldn't see him anymore, and the water began to stink. So anyways, you guys know the point, right? So that's what Jesus says. Now, although this isn't mentioned in the Old Testament, guess what this was called? Well, if you're taking note, remember last week we said it was the ceremony of water. And here's what they would do. Seven days, guys, with the priest, they would get up early and go to the temple. And as they would do, they would bring palms and willow branches and they would do this wave offering, right? And he would take, he would take the water in a, in a golden vase, right? And he would pour it, the water in the altar and they would be singing and they would be chanting and they would be singing Psalm 114 and it would be just amazing. And day after day, he would put it and they would rejoice. They would rejoice. Remember, they were praising God for what? The latter rain. Thank you, God, for the rain. It's amazing. Woo-hoo. God, we want to pray for you for this rain. You, you are, you're our providence. You provide everything, God. While Jesus, on the last day where there is no water, stands in the temple and he says, hey, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Everybody would go, yeah, that's crazy. But then he tells us he spoke this, what, concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, here's what I want to say. You're proof positive of the resurrection. Do you realize that? How do you know Jesus resurrected? Look at your life. 
first of all, you're a fountain. Anybody a fountain? Say amen. amen. If you're not a fountain, then you need to be one. But we're all a fountain, and we're proof positive. Why? Because, man, listen, because we're telling people about Jesus. It, re- it reflects in our lives, in our example, where we work, how we work, how we handle situations. Guys, your life is an example of Jesus Christ for the world to see. You're like, all right. And from verse 40 to 52, we saw their reaction. Do you guys remember? Oh, he's a prophet. Now, a lot of them thought that was the prophet that Moses spoke about. Others said, no, he's the Christ. He's the Christos, the anointed one. Other people, their reaction, well, they weren't sure who he was. They put their hand on their chin and they rubbed it going, I'm not sure who he is because I don't think the prophet was going to come from Galilee. Other people, guys, they rejected Jesus altogether because they were ignorant. They didn't know the truth about him. Who's Jesus? What Jesus? What are you talking about? And then verse 44 actually catapults us into our study for today. It says, now some of them, what did they want to do? They wanted to take him, not out to dinner, okay? They didn't want to take him to the edge of town. They wanted to kill him, but the Bible says no one laid hands on him. That's where we pick up our story this morning, verse 53. And it says, and everyone, after this was all over, everyone went to his own house. Do you guys see that in verse 53? Now, here's what I want you to realize. Not everyone went home. You said, well, pastor, it just said everyone went home. No, 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 listen. We see in Matthew's gospel that it says that they didn't go home, that they actually had a counsel against him how they might destroy him. Okay, everybody went home, said, wow, that was a crazy day. The temple's all, you know, that was a fake. Jesus stood up. This was crazy. And they all went home. But there's a council that said, no, 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 no. We've got some issues, right? Now, they had an agenda. What was their agenda? They wanted to destroy Jesus. They wanted to get him. You know what? They wanted to somehow, some way get him. So here's what they thought. They thought, hey, I got an idea. If we could somehow take Jesus public, right? If we could get him public and then we could ask him in front of all the people what he thinks about taxes. Should he pay taxes? Should he not? That's it. And you go, why? Well, here's what they're thinking. If Jesus says, yes, everyone should pay taxes, then we will tell the Jews, look at him. He supports Rome. At this point, Rome was so oppressed to them that they would be like, what? The Messiah? Then we know if I'm not going to follow anybody who supports Rome. But if Jesus said, no, you're not supposed to pay taxes, then they said, well, then we'll go to Caesar and we'll say, Caesar, he's advocating that the Jews don't pay taxes. Now, we're law-abiding citizens and we want to be good citizens. We got him. (laughs) We got him. Right? Everybody else goes home minding their own business, not these people. These people, they go and they have a council. Guys, you should be there. Matthew 22, let's look at verse 15. I just want to show you the story real quick. It says this, then the Pharisees went, notice what they do, they plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? He says, Show me the tax money. 
So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And of course they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus, and, and I love that. This is a man of joy. He just probably smiled, and he said, render therefore to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they're going, trip out. When they heard these words, they marveled, and they left him and went their way. They're trying to get him. They're trying to get him. And Jesus comes back and is like, why are, you, why, are you, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Well, they're not done. You guys with me? They're not done getting Jesus. Another way they try to get Jesus, they went back home and they went into their supposedly huddle, right? It's not a holy huddle because they're trying to kill Jesus. They get together and go, okay, that didn't work. Whose idea was it to give due to taxes? Man, I thought it was a good idea, but it didn't work. Okay, so what do we do now? I know what we can do. Let's try to trap him in what he thinks about an Old Testament law called adultery. Let's, let's try to trap him. You see, there was an Old Testament law back from the time of Moses that said, if anyone is caught in adultery, that they should be stoned to death. So they come to Jesus to see if they believe that law. They try to catch him here, right? We don't see that in the book of John. Why don't we see that? Because it's just a snapshot. He just gave us a snapshot. But Matthew goes, look, look what they were trying to do in the midst of this. And so Jesus goes, show me a denarius. Okay, look, who's... who's Whose face is on this? It's Caesar. We'll render to Caesars the things that are Caesars. Pay your taxes, but render to God the things that are God's. Give him your life. Well, they didn't stop. Now, this is where we pick up our story. Everyone went to his own house, but where did Jesus go? He went to the Mount of Olives. You know what he did at the Mount of Olives, right? He prayed. He prayed and he sought strength. And so, guess what happens? Look at verse 2 of chapter 8. Now, early in the morning... Jesus came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. Now, notice, all the people came to him. What kind of people? Who's all the people? Well, we know there were probably rich people, poor people, famous people, not so famous people, powerful, those that are weak, sick. Well, all the people came. Now, I want you to notice what happens. It says, and it came to him, and Jesus sits down to teach them. You go, why? It was the custom. We've got it backwards. The way it should work is I should be up here in a nice, comfortable chair, and you all should be standing through the teaching. At the end of the day, those chairs are a little too comfortable because I see some of you dozing off. But that wasn't the case. Jesus would sit, he'd open the scroll, and all of y'all had to stand for the teaching. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Okay, we won't do Old Testament. Y'all are stay there. I'm fine. Jesus teaches... And then what happens is right in the middle of his teaching, the brown doors open, if you will. I'm just using our church. And it says, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, the very act. Now, Moses, you know Moses, right, Jesus? Yes. Moses and the law commanded that what? That such should be stoned. But what do you say? Wow. 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 I mean, can you imagine, right in the middle of church, here comes the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, and here comes this woman, and by no means, she's probably sobbing. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's that ugly cry, okay? 
Because first and foremost, you know she was set up. She was set up, and then now she's brought before Jesus by all the, in the middle of the temple. And she's thrown there, and she says, this woman was caught. In him. Now, we've got to do some background, because you need to understand what's going on. Okay, according to Leviticus, okay, chapter 20, it was required. Now, if you caught someone in adultery, guys, it was required that both people were to come, not just one. So right now, they're in violation of the law. Which makes us to believe it's a setup, right? It's a setup. And so all of a sudden, they're like, good job, dude. Now let's get her. Now they had to catch her. Now, what was the punishment of adultery? The punishment of adultery, according to the Mosaic law, guys, is that both were to be put to death. Both of them. This was a very serious thing. Now, how were they to be put to death? Well, this... This gives us a little insight to this woman. Here's what I want you to write down. Now, this blows your mind, okay? If you were an engaged woman, which they took very seriously, if you went, men, if you went and you bowed the knee and you said, will you marry me? And she said, oh, yes, right? As long as it wasn't in front of the jumbotron. You were engaged. It's called betrothed. That was like you were married. If you committed adult, if you're like, well, I'm engaged, but there's another guy. That didn't fly. If you were caught in adultery, you were stoned to death. But she was just engaged. No, they took it very seriously. You guys with me? What if she was a married woman? Well, the law says that she was not stoned to death, that she was actually strangled to death. She was actually strangled to death. Okay? Now, here's the point that we need to make. We see that we got to understand a little bit, okay? They needed to see the very act. You needed to catch someone in adultery. Why? Because this was such a harsh penalty. I mean, if you, you couldn't just go, you know, man, hey, Jesus, I think my wife's cheating on me, man. I think my wife's cheating on me. I don't know. She didn't come home last night. I don't know. Well, did you catch her? Well, no, but, you know, you, that wouldn't fly because of the harsh penalty. You had to actually catch them. Right, And what that meant is that if you had somebody that was just not happy with his wife and he was trying to get rid of her, that's just a brutal way, right? I mean, but nonetheless, now here's what I want you to realize. This law right here, up until this time in chapter 8, hadn't been used in seven years. Nobody's brought it to the attention. Nobody's talked about it. Now they're bringing it to Jesus. And this is crazy. Why? Because the result is, help me, church, the result is in death. This is serious. This is serious. And then now, when I look at this, here's some a nugget of application that we can grasp, guys. The woman was caught in sin. There was no denying. She didn't come up and said, I was framed, right? She didn't say that. She was busted, right? Couldn't be trusted. That's her. She's coming. The problem is, is that she's, she's going, wait a minute, wait a minute, the law, well, we haven't used the law in seven years, Where's the other guy? Where's the, I mean, you know what? Oh yeah, he was all good looking last night, but now it's all, it's all crazy blowing up in my face. Where is he? Okay, so we know that she was caught in sin. Everybody say, everybody know that, right? She was a sinner. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's the text that I want you to grab, okay? She represents every one of us. Every one of us. Well, pastor, I wasn't, I've never committed adultery. That's not what I'm talking about, guys. Because the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned. That's all of us. We've all sinned. 
and what? And what? We've all sinned and we've fallen so short of God's glory. That's what we need to realize and we need to grasp first and foremost. Let me say this to you. If you want a beautiful heart of forgiveness, even in the hard things, you need to realize that you are very much a sinner like everyone else. No amens on that one, huh? So we represent, we, we know, we, 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 we can, and we can, we can relate to this woman. You know how else we can relate to this woman? The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Death, that we deserve death. Do you realize that? Your sin right now from birth, you deserve to die. You're busted. We all, right? That's. But it tells us in the latter part of Romans 6.23, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know what that is? It's forgiveness. The gift is forgiveness. Here's what I want you to see. The wages of sin and death. You guys with me? Jesus didn't sweep that under the rug. He says, no, 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 guys, listen, we just put that in for the weird, really weird people. We just put that in for the really hardened criminals. <laughs> but y'all are nice, right? You're, oh, you're so sweet. You didn't deserve death. He didn't do that, did he? He said, you know what the payment is for sin? Death. I'll take it. And that's when we say, guys, that it was a beautiful exchange. Why? Because he, he went to the cross on our behalf. He died. He died. You see, the, the law was fulfilled. When you stand before God, he said, the wages of sin is death. You go, amen. Jesus took my place. That's how you can get to heaven. Jesus took my place and he forgave me. Well, this group is not having it. Verse 5 says, Now Moses in the law, guess what, Jesus, commanded us that such should be stoned. We know that she's engaged. She's, she's betrothed, right? But we've got a question, Jesus. We couldn't trap you over here with the taxes, but what do you say about a spiritual issue like adultery, a sinful issue? What do you say, Jesus? What do you say? Look at Jesus' reaction. They, this they said, notice, testing him, that they might have something to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down. He wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Everybody look at verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said, quote, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. I love that. I love that. Not that it's just engulfed in love and forgiveness, but let's, 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 let's go back just a little bit, okay? We see that Jesus, they come in, in the middle of church service, Jesus is teaching, they throw her there, they say, Jesus, and Jesus kind of bends down, he begins writing, we don't know what he's writing. Maybe he begins writing the sins of the people, who knows? The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe after 10,000 years in heaven, you'd go, Jesus, what were you writing? Just curious, I mean... It's going to take about ten or 20,000 years of worship in wonderful times, but you might say that. He wrote on the finger, and then, and then here's the thing. He acted like he didn't hear them. And verse 7 says this. Everybody see this? So when they continued, you know what that means? They kept bugging him. 
You're right? It's that kid. Please, 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 please. You know, it's just like, I mean, it's like, Argh! I mean, come on, right? It's just, and when they continue, finally Jesus looks up and he goes, guys, listen, he who is without sin among you, you cast the first stone. Now you go, Ben, why does this bring joy to your heart? Why does this bring joy to your heart? Because I focused in on Jesus' reaction. You go, what do you mean? Listen, they brought this girl who was obviously a sinner, guilty. This girl was actually caught in the middle of adultery. You guys with me? And I love, I want to focus in on the reaction. Jesus didn't go, what? Right? Or Jesus didn't have a snicker of condemnation. (laughs) His reaction is so priceless. His reaction is so priceless. Guys, here's what I want you to see. He knows that we sin. He knows that. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't going, are you kidding me? Seriously? Didn't I see you on the street two days ago and I looked at you and I said, don't, you know, he didn't say that. Why? Because he knows our hearts. He knows, listen, now, now, again, guys, listen, if you're walking through this life and you're casually sinning and you have no regard to Jesus Christ, then I would say, check your salvation. But from time to time, you are going to blow it. You are going to sin. You are going to have a bad attitude. You are going to talk harsh to your spouse. You are going to sin those things. And those are those times when you go, oh, Lord, forgive me. And he goes, I will. I forgive you because I know that's who you are. His reaction is priceless. Why? Because he's not showing me any condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ. He goes, that's what, that's what the cross is for. When the enemy, listen to me, guys. When the enemy comes and says, you are a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking, you did this, you did this, you know what? Just agree with him. Amen. You're a loser. I know. Anything else? Well, you're, you're just, you're a hypocrite. I know. Thank God for the cross, huh? Thank God for the cross because without the cross, I'm all those things and have no hope. But with the cross, I'm all those things, but I have hope. I have hope. And here's the beauty. Listen, Satan, you may see all these things. You bet I do. But God doesn't. You know who, you know who he sees when he sees me? He sees his son, Jesus. And you know what Satan does? Oh, and he runs away. Because that's the truth. That's the truth. Why do we, guys, in an effort to preserve who we are, try to fight who we really are? That's where confession and repentance come in. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm a mess up. You understand? (laughs) You're the pastor. I know. What a crazy church, right? This is nuts. The pastor is a sinner. Thank God for the cross. Well, they keep asking Jesus. They keep asking Jesus. So Jesus raises his head and he says, hey, those of you who have no sin, go ahead and throw a stone at her. Right? See, he's talking to all of them standing right there. And here's the thing. Years later, that's you and I. Guys, we're so busted with sin and we've all fallen short of God's glory. That even if you and I were in the, now, now listen, here's the thing. If we're Jesus' disciples and we're watching him and all this is going on in the temple and he says, hey, those of you without any sin, cast the first stone, I'm kind of going like this. I, I, I've got to leave, right? 
Because I realize that I'm not going to throw the stone. We've all, guys, fallen short of God's glory. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him to, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be the righteous of God in him. Well, verse 8 says, and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and when Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst... When Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Notice what she said. No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Wow. Here's a woman who came in probably by the men through right in the middle of the church service, right here in the front. Jesus doesn't pay much attention. He, he says, listen, you who have no sin, cast the first stone. Now, here's what I want you to read. I wasn't going to say this, but I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Please, church, please be so careful that in an effort, in, in, in a self-righteous heart, that we think that we could throw a stone. That's, that's what we do. That's what we do in church. That's what we do in church. Instead of loving people back to life in a self-righteous heart, we go, I'll throw it because I'm living good. I've read my Bible three times a day. I pray. I fast. I do this. I go to church. Blah, blah, blah. And in a self-righteous heart, we go, I'll throw it. And the whole point is no, right? Because the Pharisees were there and they began to walk away one by one, starting with the oldest to the youngest. And you and I go, yes. And then Jesus looks at her and he speaks the most wonderful words that you and I need to hear. He says, neither do I condemn you. Let me ask you a question. You ready? If there was anyone in this story that could throw a stone, wouldn't it be Jesus? He knew no sin. Let me ask you another question. Was she guilty? Amen. Say amen. She's guilty. Are you guilty? Amen. But Jesus says, I forgive you. But he says something very interesting. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, as I look at these verses, I want to quickly point out, guys, the attitudes of Jesus and kind of contrast them with ours, okay? Number one, in verses 7 through 10, notice his understanding. Note how he understands. Now, he didn't condone, but Jesus just understood, and he loved us enough. That's what we need to grasp, right? One of the things that we need to grasp is that we need to, what? We need to learn to understand other people and what they're going through. I got to grasp that. Just because you wouldn't do a certain sin or you think you wouldn't do a certain sin doesn't mean that you shouldn't understand what somebody else is going through and the struggle they're going through. Just because they struggle doesn't make them a bad person. What's our job? Our job is to love them back to life. How? Through understanding. Notice what Jesus does too. His attitude was love and compassion. Jesus knew the law, right? He knew that she was guilty. She knew that she should be stoned, but he was also there to fulfill the law by dying on the cross. We could learn a lesson from Jesus when it comes to love and compassion. Here's why. 
At the end of the day, church, listen, at the end of the day, who has the final say in life? God does, not us. Are you going to be sitting up there with Jesus going, aha, uh-huh, that one, listen, Lord, I was, I, I went to church with her. I went to church. Listen, she, she, listen, you're not going to do that. So why do we do it here on earth? We should have some love and compassion. So much so that you know how destructive sin is. And if sin is so destructive, then here's what you should do. You should be willing to walk alongside and say, listen, you're headed down a path. You've heard that, you've heard that illustration, right? If you're walking down the street and you see a burning house and you hear people, are you going to just sit there and go, ah, house burning, get out! House burning! You got about 10 minutes. Hey, listen, I'll do you a favor. I'll call the fire department. Get out. Did you see the house burning? House burning. Is that us? Your instinct is to go, I need to save who's ever in that house. I need to get him out. But spiritually, when it comes to sin, that's what we do. Dude, you're in sin. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to fall off that cliff. You know? And Jesus says, no, no, no. I want to show you love and compassion. What's the third? What's the third attitude he gives us? Forgiveness, right? Why? Because he says, listen, neither do I condemn you. And I think that's such good news. Why? Because I need to hear that today. I need to hear that today. Guys, it was September 23rd when the whole buzz of Jesus is coming back and the stars are lined up and the whole thing, and it freaked people out. Why? Because we forgot forgiveness and we forgot, and we're like, I don't know if I'm going to go, and we just tripped. People, there's a lot of people just tripped out. But Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. The last thing attitude he says is, listen, he talks about what? Well, he talks about repentance. You see, he tells her, go and sin no more. Repent from that. Turn from that. It doesn't mean that she won't sin. It just means don't do that specifically. Don't do that specifically. So I want to close, guys, with verse 12. Jesus then spoke to them. Notice, he spoke to them after all this is going down and saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life, but have the light of life. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in depth next week because I really wanted to focus on forgiveness. And here's what I want you to realize, that forgiveness is simply a stone's throw away. Did you know, did you know that the, early, the people in the early centuries wanted to leave this out? John chapter 8, 1 through, did you know that? They didn't want it in the Bible. And here's what they said. They said, we don't want it in the Bible manuscript. They said, don't put it in there. And they said, why? Because it's going to make people, it's going to make it easy for people to sin. They're going to see this and go, well, we can go out and we can commit adultery and all we have to do is run to Jesus and say, please forgive me and it's done. And so they didn't want it in there. But here's, here's what we need to see. When Jesus told her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He was neither condoning adultery nor was he making a detour around the law. Here's what he was saying. Jesus was making a way for us to be free. For us to be free. Remember the first forgiveness? Jesus, please forgive me. Guys, that's, that's, that's going to set you free. That's going to set you free. 
Because forgiveness comes in just a beautiful package. How many of you want your past forgiven? Oh, I do, Pastor. I've messed up. I've done some dumb stuff. You realize that some of us have done more mess-ups as a Christian than even before? I want my past. Yeah. How many of you want your present forgiven? Right now. Done. Why? Because I have a, sometimes I have a bad attitude. I'm driving down the road. Somebody cuts in front of me. I'm like, rah, rah, get out of the way. Learn to drive in a park it. Where are you headed? Church. <laughs> How many of you want your present forgiven? Busted can't be trusted, see? How many of you want your future sins to be? Amen. Because I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Beautiful forgiveness. Amen? But over here, we need to learn. Now, okay. Now, hurting people hurt people, but forgiven people are forgiving people. I've just given you incredible quotes for, for, for Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. And Come on, guys. Come on. Let's go. Social media. Forgiven people are learning to be forgiving people. Even if it's a journey, we want to get there. Why? Because both of that sets us free. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We love you. We bless you. It's in your name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.